Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan, the original Napkin Notes dad. I'm a five-time cancer survivor, but more importantly, I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. And I'm Dara Kurtz, author of the book, Crush Cancer, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, and creator of crazyperfectlife.com. Welcome to our podcast. Yeah, you know, today we have an awesome show, and I, I, I'm going to tee this up by saying, if you are listening to this and you are anywhere in the the neighborhood of another human being, then this podcast is for either you or this person. Because statistically speaking, one in two men are going to be diagnosed with cancer sometime in their lives, and one in three women. So, and, and that's a staggering statistic. And, and today, we're actually not going to be talking about the people who have cancer. We're going to be talking about all of the other people around them, their caregivers, their spouses, their family, their friends, their neighbors. And we're, we're going to be talking about what you can do to help somebody who has cancer. Garth, the statistics are staggering. I don't think there's really a person out there who doesn't know someone who has been touched by cancer. That's just the sad reality. And so I'm really excited that we're doing this podcast because I feel like people are always asking me, what can we do? Or what do people need? Or how do we help someone? And so if you have ever asked any of those questions, today we're going to give you the answers. You know, isn't it amazing that there's this tipping point in your treatment, whether it's in your case, you're, you know, quote unquote cured, or in my case, I, I kind of shifted my mindset from being, you know, the patient to the advocate, uh, that as soon as you've crossed that line, as soon as you've reached that tipping point, people start asking you for help. And, and more often than not, it's a, hey, my sister was just diagnosed or my neighbor was just diagnosed. How can I help them? Absolutely. Because they feel like, well, if you've gone through it, you actually do have a good idea of what people need. And then I feel like they think that it's a safe time to ask. Absolutely. And, and you know, I'll say that I read an article in the LA Times uh, a few years ago and it was about the ring theory. And I'll make sure that I link to it in the show notes. And I love this theory. And I want you to keep this in mind as you're trying to help out somebody or a family that is being impacted by cancer. And the ring theory is really simple. The person who is in crisis, the person who has the, the, the cancer in this case, or the health issue, they're in the center of the ring. And their immediate family, their caregivers, their spouse, their daughters, their sons, whatever, they're in the next ring. And then their next sets of closest people are, are in the ring out of that. And that could be aunts, uncles, really close friends, neighbors, whatever. And the ring just keeps getting bigger and bigger until you figure out where you are in that ring. And here's the rule of thumb. Comfort in, dump out. And and I again, I'll link to this so that you can go read the article. But basically what it says is wherever you are in the ring, that determines how you should be interacting with the people either in the next ring closer to the center 
or the ring outward. So as an example, the person who's in the center, the cancer patient, they can dump out. They can complain, they can whine, they can say, woe is me, they can say I'm having a bad day, whatever. And everybody outside of those rings, it's their job to help comfort that person. And then, so the people in the next ring, so as an example, Lisa, my wife, her, her main priority when interacting with me is to comfort me. She can dump outward, right? So she can dump out to her mom or to her friend, but she shouldn't dump into me. And the reason why this is so important is as you're thinking about how you can help somebody with cancer, so much of this is going to be just trying to make their lives easier. And so your job is to comfort and to help and to carry them. And there are so many different ways to do it. I actually sat down this morning before the podcast uh, because I'm a geek and I made a list. Um, <laughs> okay, though, but before we get to that list, I just yeah. want to say I had not heard that whole the ring, ring theory. theory, and that is brilliant. I love I, it. I love that. I mean, that is just kind of, we can all visualize different rings and circles. And so that was, I thought that was really cool. Thank you for finding that. Uh, you're welcome. I, I, I read it, I, I read it a long time ago and then I was searching it out for another purpose just recently. And I felt that it's so germane to this topic. Um, by the way, as you continue to listen to podcasts, I think this is the first time I've used the word germane. But I know. Like, I was like, okay. <laughs> it's one of my favorite <laughs> words. So I'm going to try to work it into the conversations whenever I can. Um, so, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my number one tip. Um, and then I'm going to shut up and let Dara talk about her tips because I'm going to basically cross off my list and then we'll see, we'll see where we end up. Yeah. But, we're going to see if there's any left. That's right. So, um, my number one tip is, um, and this is really basic and, and I think it's basic for anybody who needs help feed them and, and it's not just them, it's their family. It's something, you know, I, I have a, a friend who recently experienced a death in the family. And so I went to a bakery and I bought a bunch of bread and because that was, that was just a fundamental way for me to say, I'm here to help feed you. And so when you are when you are feeding a family or feeding somebody who has cancer, I, I would ask that you just do it. Don't, don't even ask them. In fact, all of these suggestions, you should feel comfortable just doing it and not necessarily asking or probing. And here's my reason that when somebody asked me if they could bring my family food, of course, the answer was yes. Anything that, anything that somebody could do to help make my life easier or to make my family's lives easier during that time of stress the answer was yes. But then came the next question, which was dreaded. What, what you do like? you want? Right. <laughs> and so that added this extra level of decision making that I had to kind of forecast out. What am I going to want to eat on the Tuesday that they're bringing food? Will I want lasagna? Will I want, you know, whatever, right? And, and you know, frankly, the answer was, I don't know. You know, I might be throwing up all day and I might not want anything but my family still has to eat. So I would say, go ahead and just say, hey, can we bring you some food? And if the answer is yes, then sit back and say, all right, we'll take, we, we've got your back. We'll take care of it. And bring whatever you think is, is good for you to be able to bring. Uh, and, and just help take that extra burden of another decision level 
off of that cancer patient. Um, I can't tell you how many times that um, somebody said, somebody asked me, what can we bring or when can we bring it? And that request went unanswered because it, it became much harder for me to continue on with that conversation than what I was able to devote energy to. So can I interrupt you? And I just feel like you have this list yeah. and I, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt the list, but I just want to add to that, which is, so from my experience, if possible, I think it's a good idea to have one person be kind of the contact person. So what I mean by that is let's say that you have a lot of people that are calling you and they want to do things like, let's just say, for example, when I was diagnosed and I was going through everything, I have two younger kids at the time they were 11 and 14. So that means that we were in, they were in school. And so we had a lot of parents that at my kid's school that wanted to do nice things as well. So there were just a lot of different places where, um, in terms of our life, our life, where people were saying like from different pockets of our life. Um, so maybe, maybe we had, um, my office people and then John's office people and then school people and, you know, just variety of places. So it was really helpful to have one contact person who could set up a meal schedule and then just say, you know, Hey, here's the link. It's so easy to do that nowadays. And I'm not even a technology person as we know, but it's so easy to do that with, um, different apps, like, you know, take them a meal or, I mean, I think a lot of people know these different places, but it was really nice to be able to say, you know, that's so nice of you. Um, here, contact my friend Beth, here's her email. She's in charge of it. And then that way people could just go and sign up. They could also see what other people were bringing us in terms of foods so that we weren't, we didn't get like the, the same chicken pie every single day for, you know, five meals in a row. Um, I just felt like that was really, really a good way to kind of organize it. It's also a good way in terms of like information in for, uh, keeping people up to date on what's going on with your health. So Garth, I don't know if you did um, Caring Bridge. Did you do that? I, I did not do that, only because I I just kind of jumped in. I already had my own personal blog and website. Okay, I didn't do Caring Bridge either. In fact, I had I just didn't want to do it. Um, so again, it was nice that if we if I was having surgery or something, my husband could just email a few people. And then my friend Beth was great about just kind of letting everyone know. And so again, just having those contact people in place so that that inner circle doesn't have to always be organizing everything. Right. That, that inner circle is going through so much that anything you can do to help lift the burden for them. And really this list that I have, it is, it's all about lifting the burden. Yeah. It, it's all about what can you do to help the family get through this time of crisis. Um, so I'm going to shut up and, and, and see what else you have to say. Oh, no, please, Garth. Please continue <laughs> down your list. Dar Dar's like, great. Garth made a list. No, he, he I, don't, I don't need a list. I, no, I'm just kidding. I have a few things as well. but well, I need a list just... because I'm so forgetful. Let's let's continue down the path of your list, though. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna talk about just stuff that is kind of household related, 
because uh, this is something that um, as the dad, there were certain chores that I had to do as the dad that frankly just really didn't come easily anymore. That's a really um, good point, actually. Yeah, and 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 because of everything else that was going on, it wasn't as if Lisa had extra time, right? She didn't have extra time. She had less time, and so things like yard work, um, house cleaning, uh, people who um, people who ran errands for us, um, you know, literally people who would go to the grocery store and buy us groceries, buy groceries on our behalf, so that. Lisa didn't have to go to the store. People who would help me go through my mail. Now, I know it's a little bit different today uh, because when I go to the doctor, I get a nice electronic EOB, explanation of benefits. But back when I was diagnosed with cancer in my first surgery, it was all still paper-based. And I'll tell you, I literally had four stacks of mail that were each about seven inches high of bills, insurance paperwork, doctor visits reports and how am I supposed to, I don't have the energy to go through that. So okay. laughing. Dar, did you just throw them away? Okay. This is such a personality <laughs> thing. Oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. So I can, t- <laughs> I, can I knew t- as soon as I saw your face, you're like, Oh, I just threw those away. <laughs> I'm like, I don't feel like dealing with this trash. Um, because you know what, Garth, after a while, it all sorts itself out. <laughs> it, it really does sort itself out. However, I, you know, our family was really struggling financially with trying to manage uh, how to pay for the, the medical care. And so I wanted to know what was being charged where and how I could help navigate that. And, and I did feel really responsible in terms of actually trying to open up my mail. But again, ha- having an assistant, having a friend come in and, and do things like that, you know, run the dishwasher. I have a, a group of men from my church, the Knights of Columbus, who have raked my yard every fall for the past six falls. And my yard, my backyard especially, is fairly large. It also backs up to woods. And let me tell you, for me to rake it, I usually have to rake it twice a fall. And it takes me probably eight hours total. And that's a lot of physical energy as well. And, um, and usually I'm kind of like cursing and muttering under my breath because nobody in my family is helping me. So there's more energy wasted. And so these, these guys literally show up on a random Saturday morning. One of them has coffee and donuts for the rest. And they all have rakes and these big power blowers. And an hour later, my yard is clear. That is amazing. It, it is, it is incredible. And on top of that, uh, they don't even they they don't even ask, right? They're like, "Hey, we know it's fall, we're gonna show up some random day," and it really helps me and my family not have to worry about that burden. So anything that you could do, maybe even maybe even it's laundry, right? Laundry. I mean, in, in any household, laundry just suddenly appears, and it's like, "Oh my goodness, I thought I just finished laundry yesterday, and now there's like 50 piles of dirty clothes." You know, helping somebody get through their laundry pile is is a huge burden to lift from them. So all of those household things that you kind of take for granted that you can do, it, it, it's much more difficult for a family that is going through cancer to try to navigate and manage. Garth, have you completed the list? Oh, gosh. Well, so the like the household things, yes, I've completed the list. 
Um, you know, I want to just say with regards to the whole, the yard thing, I think that is such a good point that often people don't think about. I had a friend, this was just so on the same level, I think of, as of what your, your friends do for you. She just came over one day and she noticed that my yard didn't really have any flowers. And so she said, you know what? I'm going to the plant place. I'm buying flowers. I'm going to come to your yard and I'm just planting the flowers. And so one day I got up and I went outside and there were beautiful flowers there. And that was such a nice thing because it's those little things that people don't think about. A lot of people are going to think about food. A lot of people are going to think about, um, you know, maybe driving you to chemo or setting up a schedule to take you to your doctor's appointments. I mean, those are things that I think a lot of people typically do think about, but raking your yard, that isn't something that I think a lot of people think about or just putting some beautiful flowers in your yard. So you can kind of see that those are just such another level of, of places that people really need help. Yeah. And it, it, again, it's kind of whatever you can do to help lift the burden from the family. And, you know, I know one of the things I'm really thankful for, and this isn't even something that you could do for me or you could do for somebody else who has cancer, but I'm, I'm actually really appreciative of my mail order pharmacy. And here's why. So I, I have a number of prescription drugs that I have to take to combat the side effects from my chemo. And I usually get a 30 or a 90 day supply. And as I was thinking about this, I was the reason why I'm most thankful for that is that I am often not the one who has to go to the pharmacy to pick those up. And so by getting those delivered by mail, that gives Lisa an extra, I don't know, let's just say 20 minutes a month where she could actually go and, and have a, a short coffee with a friend and not think about, oh, I've got to go to the pharmacy to pick up Gar's meds. So all of those time savers are huge. Yeah. Anything you can do just to be, just to kind of streamline and sort of be efficient. We could say the same about really ordering groceries online. Nowadays, there's so many places that allow you to order online and then someone just really needs to pick them up. And I think even if the spouse or the patient orders the groceries online, it's great to just have someone go and pick them up and even just carry the groceries in the house because sometimes the patient can be tired and doesn't really have the strength to bring the groceries into the house. And then that way it's all taken care of, it's ordered online, but that's a really nice way to help someone as well. I agree. Uh, anything that you can do to kind of like run errands that are, I, I call them the mindless errands, those are the things that have to be done. Yeah, to keep the household running. Right, but but they aren't necessarily intellectually challenging. They're not necessarily fun. They're not necessarily something that people look forward to, but they take energy away from, from those caregivers and, and the patient. You know, uh, I was thinking about uh, something you could give to a cancer patient that is really awesome to give. Um, and uh, I came up with two things. I'm looking forward to hearing this. Socks and smellies. What's a smelly? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what a smelly is. So what a smelly <laughs> is. So Emma, Emma has- Because when I think of socks, I think of smelly. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, I, so those are actually opposite. They're the yin and the yang. Um, okay. So, so socks are easy. I, I know that I've experienced this. My, my feet are really sensitive because of treatment. And so 
Um, I love these merino wool socks that are a certain thickness and it just makes it easier for me to be able to, to walk around the house. And my feet are generally cold too because of treatment. So those are really awesome gifts. And then smellies are things that smell good. Uh, so one of the things that, and Dara gave this to me a long time ago, she gave me this um, peppermint organic hand sanitizer that's a spray. And what I've discovered is that not only do I like to use it on my hands to, to sanitize my hands, but I then hold my hands up to my nose and I get that awesome, fresh, natural smell of peppermint. It perks me up. It also helps with my nausea. Right. Yeah. And, and so, it and yeah, I think that's true. And it comes in lavender also, but you, I don't think you like lavender. Do you? Uh, I think I definitely like the, the, the peppermint the, better. The peppermint smell yeah. better. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, you know, along those, along the lines of things that you could give to somebody, um, whether, you know, it could be books, video games, a Netflix subscription, whatever it takes to help them kind of take their mind off their nausea and their treatment. I, I read a story, uh, Mark Hertzleek wrote a book, um, called what it takes. And he wrote in there about his friend who played Xbox with him during chemo treatments. And so his friend went to the hospital every time he went in for chemo and they played Xbox together. And so, you know, it was just a way to help him keep his mind off of the fact that he was going through this really crappy time. I think those are all really good ideas. I think another thing would be maybe chapstick because your lips can get chapped. A lot of times when you're going to chemo, it's nice to have sort of a chemo bag, if you will, to take with you. So you just kind of grab the bag. And so socks would be good to put in there, the hand sanitizer, maybe Kleenex, chapstick, magazines, books, and a journal. I'm, a, I'm such a big believer in writing in a journal. And I think that's usually something that I tend to give someone if they're diagnosed with cancer. That's kind of one of the first things that I get them as I besides my book is I go and, is I go and try to get them a journal because I feel like they're going to have a lot of feelings and it's a great way to kind of get that out to kind of start connecting with your thoughts and just writing about what you're going through. So I, I always give someone a journal. Yeah, I, I actually kept a journal in the beginning of my treatment too, not my surgical treatment, but my chemo treatment. And I didn't write feelings in it. What I wrote was my numbers, right? That, so, yeah, that does not surprise me though. Yeah, I know. I'm such a geek, right? So <laughs> here's how much I weigh today. Here's what I ate. Here's how I felt. And what was good for me about that was I could take that journal then to doctor's appointments and say, hey, I've noticed that when I, you know, when I eat my dinner and I take my chemo two hours later, this is what happens. Or, oh, by the way, I noticed that I'm throwing up on day 18, how do we, you know, so we know it's not food related. It is in fact, every 18 days, how do we help combat that? And so you're I had such this, the perfect patient. You really are. I, I, um, I was the scared patient. Yeah. And anything that you can do to kind of make yourself feel better. So keeping track of it for you, I think that was sort of a sense of control. That was a way for you to kind of wrap your arms around what was going on and kind of control the situation as best that you can. When I even, I think a lot of times when people go to the chemo room, they're really scared, they're anxious. And so it's good. To, I think it's good to take a journal and just kind of write your feelings in that space. And also like if people like to knit 
or um, do cross stitch or if they're those kinds of artsy people, those are good hobbies for them to kind of continue during the journey as well. Right. Absolutely. And I think that I have actually have a couple of other smaller tips or things that you can help do to um, help the community engage with the patient um, and their family. But before I do that, I'm going to I'm going to break uh, and we're going to talk first about our sponsor. And then um, and then Dara is going to take over for me. So we are sponsored by Backblaze. Backblaze is a automatic backup service for your computer. And the best part about it is that it automatically backs up everything. Uh, so that you don't have to be the bad dad or the bad mom when your computer crashes and you just lost the graduation pictures that aren't anywhere else. You can help us out by going to napkinnotesdad.com slash backup and you can try Backblaze for free for 14 days. I love that. Thank you, Garth. So our thriving tip today, and if you're just joining our podcast, a thriving tip is a tip that gives you a little nugget of extra goodness. So the thriving tip today has to do with children. If someone is going through cancer and they have young children, the thriving tip today is really focusing on what you can do to help the kids and the family. So at the time, my kids were 11 and 14, and I appreciated it so much when someone called and said, hey, I'm coming to pick up your kids, and they took my kids out for ice cream, or they took my kids just um, to the movies or out to dinner. Anything you can do to try to help the kids maintain a form of normalcy when nothing in their life really probably feels normal at all is such a gift. So, you know, picking up the kids and taking them just to have a play date or just to spend time with them or even just to go get a, a hot cup of cocoa or a coffee and just sit and talk with them about what is going on. I think those are all very, very helpful because a lot of times the kids, they don't have a safe place to talk. So we, and we immediately secured counselors for my kids, but I think a lot of times people maybe are so focused on taking care of themselves, they don't think about, you know, what does my child need or how can I help my kids get through this? And so anything you can do to help the kids and the family feel like their, li their lives are normal or giving them a safe place to talk is very helpful. I, I love that. In fact, that's, that's actually one of my, my tips or my, my um, things on my list. Um, babysit, pet sit, spouse sit. Yeah. I didn't think about, I didn't even think about babysitting because my kids were older, but that is so true. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, what can you do to maybe, and babysitting could be take the kids out to the park, Yeah, uh, you know, take them to the pool or to take them, you know, somewhere where it's going, you know, I, I, I hesitate to recommend this because I know how painful it is for grownups to do this, especially those without kids, but take them to Chuck E. Cheese. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think what you're saying is take them out of the house to give them, if they're old enough to give them a little bit of a break because it's hard to be in a house when someone is dealing with cancer, there's pills everywhere and there's, um, you know, side effects of cancer and it can be stressful. Yeah. And, 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 and not just the kids too, right? So if that family has a pet, are you doing what you can to maybe walk the dog? You know, I know that we're we're very faithful dog walkers, and it is. Um, 
admittedly, it's been a challenge at times for me to, to get that walk done. And, and then also spouse sit, right? Can you, can you come in and sit with the patient so that the spouse can go out or maybe can you take the spouse out and, and, you know, whether it's having a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or just a walk in the park or, you know, walking with them through the grocery store so that they might have a shoulder to lean on. But, you know, doing what you can to get get the caregivers and get the immediate family members out of out of that, you know, constant cycle of having to care for somebody else. It's really nice to be cared for. Absolutely. And just to let them know that they're not alone, to let them know that someone is there to listen or to talk or to just even have fun with, to kind of bring them a little bit of joy. So, and and my last thing, and this is one of those events or items, or I don't even know what to call it, that has stuck with me ever since my very first surgery. And in fact, I ran across the group of women who put it together for me just a couple of weeks ago. And I, and I shared with them how much it meant to me. So whether the patient belongs to a religious organization or not, there are a lot of religious you know, churches, basically, they, they'll help anybody, right? So you don't have to be a member of the organization to, to need help or to receive help. And so my, my particular church, St. Mike's, they, um, I guess I should say St. Michael, <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're very informal with with Mike. Uh, they have a ministry called the Prayer Shawl Ministry, and it's this group of women who get together and they knit shawls. And the shawls are, gosh, I'm going to say maybe two feet wide by six feet long. And um, mine is a light tan and Kelly green, which just reminds me of my Irish ancestry. And they pray as they knit the shawl and they pray for healing and they pray for strength. And then they give you the shawl with a nice little note. And I can tell you that that is something that I have within easy reach of me every time I go to bed. And it, I mean, it's, it's almost like it's my blankie. Wow. I love that. So I just think that's amazing that, so you still, I still have it and I still, use it and I like still do you pull it out every night it's an, I don't even have to pull it out it is neatly folded beside my bed space I love that I did not know that about you well see there you go and, there, and yay and I happened to run across the the ministry the the women who were knitting and so I stopped and I said hey you know I don't know if you know who I am but I received a shawl from you seven years ago and, and I shared my story and I shared the fact that I still have it and that I still have easy access to it and it's folded. I see it every day. And it's one of those things that I keep as a, my cape maybe, right? I it, love it, it's, it's that. that it's your superhero cape. It is. And I am so thankful to have it. And I guarantee that if, if your friend, John Smith, who is, is not religious at all, I guarantee that if you find a house of worship that has a prayer shawl ministry and ask for a prayer shawl, you will still get one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I volunteer in the chemo room on Fridays and I see a lot of people sitting in there with blankets. A lot of times people have, they call them prayer blankets or a friend maybe made them a beautiful blanket to take with them to chemo. And it's kind of the same thing. 
But I love the fact that you still use yours. You must have made them so happy when you told them that. I, I think that um, a couple of them had tears, tears in, in their the eyes. Corner, yeah. Corner of their eyes, right? And and I didn't mean for that. That wasn't the purpose of the conversation, but I really wanted to <laughs> get across to them how important their, their work is. Was. Yeah. Um, and 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 especially because it's probably it probably goes unrecognized. Yeah, that's amazing. I think all those tips on your list were amazing, Garth. I just love that we really hit on, I think, a lot of different areas and gave people a lot of helpful suggestions. Yeah, I w and I will say that I have one last one, and it's obvious, right? Because I'm the napkin notes dad. Write your, write your friend a letter or write them a short note or put a card together. There are a lot of really funny cancer cards out there. And if you don't feel comfortable getting a getting the hallmark card that says hey you have cancer life sucks or whatever it says um you know if you if you grab a piece of paper and you write a short heartfelt note um knowing knowing how stressful their lives are and how much crappy things they get in the mail like the bills and the explanation of benefits getting a handwritten note really can brighten somebody's day and I guarantee that if you take the 30 or 45 seconds, it doesn't matter if you don't know what to say, by the way. Just say, I'm thinking about you. Love Garth. Right. That's Absolutely. it. That's yeah. it. it. It doesn't take it. You know, we are not asking for you to become the next uh, Shakespeare. We're not. Um, we no, expect we're... that. Um, and <laughs> you, on those same lines, though, I will say that. I think writing and getting mail, writing letters to people and getting mail is a beautiful way for you to let them know you're thinking about them. But cancer is often a long journey. And so don't just write them one note. Maybe, you know, every few weeks or once a month even, send them a card because a lot of times people are going through what they're going through for months or even sometimes years. And so Often at, at the, the, the onset of a diagnosis, a lot of people feel like people are all around them and offer and offering help and support. But then as time goes by, the, they the can interest wanes. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, that's when they can really feel lonely. So definitely keep that in mind. And, and, and on that note, so I've been, I was diagnosed with cancer seven years ago. I've been in daily chemo for four, for four years. And um, I, I want to, I think I want to share how important notes are to me and Dara can almost see this maybe. Oh no, actually my microphone is blocking it. But, um, on my, on the bookshelf behind me, there is an, a card and it's a pop-up card. So when you open it up, it pops, there's an X-wing that pops out from Star Wars and a dear friend of mine, Kevin gave me that card about two weeks ago and it was a, hey, I'm thinking about you. I appreciate you as a person. I admire you. I can't believe how strong you're continuing to be. And and so that card meant so much to me that I made a space on my shelf next to a picture of my daughter for that card. And I'll keep that handwritten card forever because that's what I do. And if you're having a hard day, you might just glance at it, open it up, and it'll be a reminder to you that he was thinking about you and he believes in you. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I, and I can't say how much that means to me because my words are inadequate. And so keep that in mind as you're writing to somebody, you know, 
what he wrote was very basic, but the me the, the the it was so deep and so meaningful, and it really helped carry me, and 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 gave me joy to actually open it up and read. I think it's fun to get the mail, even nowadays, because you know how often do we even get letters that are not bills in the mail, right? So I think it's really fun. The the last tip I want to share is just something that you sort of hit on, but I want to just repeat it again because I think it's very important. Just do it. You're going to want to say to the patient or to the family, what can I do for you? But sometimes, you know, just think about what you would want and just do it because it, it can be hard for people to ask for help. It can be hard for people to say, you know, I really could use your help, da, 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 or I could really use help with meals or driving my kids or going to the doctor's office. Just say, this is what I'm doing, or just bring over food or just, um, you know, figure out maybe what they need in their yard. But so what I'm saying is just do it. Just take, take the initiative to decide that you want to do something to help someone else and do it. Right. And, 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 and keep that help unsolicited and, and help limit their decisions. Right. Yes. So that they don't have to think about it. It's just done. Right. I mean, think about this. Think about even if you weren't sick, if you woke up one Saturday morning and your lawn was mowed, right. You'd think, holy cow, I don't have to go mow my lawn today. I can't believe somebody came over and mowed my lawn. And, and so that's what you're giving the cancer patient and their family. You're giving them that joy and you're lifting that burden from them. Uh, and that actually ties in really closely with what my quote is. So um, as I said at the beginning of the show, I have been writing notes on napkins and sticking them into my daughter's lunch ever since she was in kindergarten. She just graduated high school. And so now I'm starting to, to enter this phase two of my life and I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. So until I figure out what that looks like, I am going to be sharing my napkin notes with you because I'm not sure what to do. I love and, that. <laughs> and this is a favorite note of mine that I wrote to Emma a long time ago. And it is a quote that is attributed to Mother Teresa. And it is, if you can't feed 100 people, then feed just one. And, you know, I think that people have this tendency to to look at a cancer patient and their family and say, oh my goodness, they've got so much going on. They really need so much help. I don't even know where to start. And the key is just pick something and start with that one thing. That's beautiful. I love that, Garth. Thank you for sharing it. It is. It's, it's you know, if I ever have like a napkin notes headquarters. Ooh, that would be fun. I, I know. Wouldn't it? Um, I don't even exactly know what we would be doing. But, I, mean, I um, could visualize like an awesome sign outside the door, like a napkin note, right? Yeah. Well, and, and like that this is what's going to be on the napkin note. Yes. This quote. Yes. So I, I, I have to say that I get asked all the time, hey, what's the favorite thing you ever wrote to Emma? And there are a couple of things, and it really depends on my mood, which one strikes my fancy at that particular moment. But this is the one that really speaks to me because there are so many needs that can be filled. And what you don't want to do is become paralyzed by the amount of needs. You just want to start with the one. What's the one that you can help out with? Just start. So I want to thank you all for joining us again. Um, we are having a fantastic time in the Thrive Podcast. I am, I, I'm very humbled 
and and I think we're blessed for the um, the opportunity to come into your homes and have you listen to us and hopefully it's fun and educational at the same time you can if you have a question or a comment you can go to napkinnotesdad.com slash podcast q you can even suggest a show topic and if we use your show topic we will send you a token of appreciation in the mail uh, i am garth callahan the original napkin notes dad you can find more about me using napkinnotesdad.com and i'm on all of the favorite social media platforms of your choice and um, thank you again for the opportunity Thanks so much for being here. Again, we love it when you share our podcast with your friends. So please, 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 if you liked what you learned today, please tell your friends. It really helps us grow, and we are so appreciative. I'm Dara Kurtz, and you can find me at crazyperfectlife.com and all social media platforms as well. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thrive is created by Dara Kurtz of Crazy Perfect Life and Garth Callahan, the Napkin Notes Dad, with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.